General Baptist Ministries has been called by God to exist for the church. We aren't here so the General Baptists can help us do ministry. We are here to help the church do ministry and to fulfill its commission by God to make disciples of all nations and preach the good news to every man, woman, boy, and girl. We partner with churches because we believe that we can do more together than any one person or church can do alone. I'm Danny Donovan, president of General Baptist Ministries, and I want to welcome you to the second episode of our brand new podcast, Doing Together. Doing Together is about sharing the ways that General Baptists partner together so that your church can fulfill its calling. In this episode, I'm going to be joined by one of my good friends and lead pastor of Connection Point Church in Jackson, Missouri, Chris Vaught. Among other things, Chris is the moderator for this year's Mission and Ministry Summit, which will take place in Bowling Green, Kentucky, on July 18th through the 20th. Chris, welcome to Doing Together. Uh, so thankful to get to join you on this podcast. I'm excited about this time we're going to spend together uh, talking about the church and honoring Christ and appreciate what all you guys are doing through General Baptist Ministries and seeing the work of the kingdom impacting the world. Well, can you uh, start off by just kind of telling our listeners a little bit about yourself, your family, your background in ministry? Uh, let us know who Chris Vaught is. Oh, my goodness. I don't, I don't know how many people want to know who Chris Vaught really is. Um, born and raised in Kentucky, a little small rural area, uh, south central part of the state. Met Lisa, my wife, while we were in high school. So we were high school sweethearts. We actually met on uh, on a trip. I was a basketball player. She was a cheerleader. And at that time, we got to ride on the same bus. Though the girls were in the front, the boys were in the back. But that's that's where the flirtation began. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we started talking. We started dating throughout high school, um, got married. And uh, this year, we're celebrating 31 years of marriage. Together, we have um, three biological daughters, uh, Rochelle, Charity, and uh, Clarissa. And then we uh, helped raise a special young lady named Kim that we we unofficially adopted into our family. So four girls. We have the joke in the vault household that I swim in estrogen because it's, <laughs> it's, it's females all around me. I believe yeah. there's a special place in heaven yep. for fathers of all girls. I agree 100%. Uh, God called so, me into the ministry when I was 18 years of age, started pastoring, did everything backwards because I didn't know any better. So I actually pastored seven years before I went off to Bible college and got my seminary degrees. Uh, but that was a great time for me because uh, in that seven years, God taught me a lot about the practical side of ministry, uh, staying true to Scripture and loving and working with people, motivating them for the kingdom. Uh, so, um, I guess God knew I needed that side before I got the theology side nailed down. Yeah. And there's a lot of grace there. I thank God for a lot of grace. Thank God for a lot of grace in that first congregation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so 30 years now into ministry. Excellent. So, uh, talk, tell us a little bit about uh, Connection Point Church where you're at now. Yeah, Connection Point Church. Wow, what a great congregation. Absolutely love our time in Jackson. Uh, this is our 11th year. So we came in January of 2011. Uh, God is has moved in a, a, a remarkable way. Even now coming out of COVID, or, you know, of course, we're still dealing with COVID, but coming out of the shutdowns, let's say, of 2020, God just continues to bless. We actually saw more people uh, in 2020 come to faith in Jesus through our ministries 
than any year in the church's history. Uh, Connection Point has a 62-year history now. Uh, it actually was first General Baptist Church of Jackson, Missouri until 2012 when we reorganized our ministry um, mission, ne- renamed and branded the church along with what our mission is. And that is just simply to connect people to God and then to one another and then into their ministry to fulfill the purpose that God has for each one. And since that time period, we've watched God uh, grow the congregation, witnessed a lot of salvations and baptisms, and um, uh, watched God ignite a fire there in southeast Missouri, a passion to want to know Christ and know his word and to live on mission. And so these are some exciting days, even through these dark, chaotic seasons of our of our world. We're watching God do something pretty spectacular right now. Yeah, I've been uh, one of the things that I've watched you guys do, you know, the way that you connect with your community there in Jackson, that the, the community knows that your church is there for uh, for people, that it's they know what you're about because you're you're in the middle of things doing ministry in the community. It's a it's really a remarkable thing to watch. Mm. Yeah. So. Um, so can you also talk to us a little bit about your, you've not only done local church ministry, but you've been involved like in coaching other pastors and things, and you have, seem to have a passion for that kind of stuff. Yeah, really I do. Um, I, I'm big on mentorship. I truly believe that every leader needs to continue to be learning. And so for my own self, uh, with the experience that I had when God called me to ministry and, and, and actually doing it backwards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that was because of the culture that I grew up under in, in rural Kentucky. There wasn't a lot of opportunities for education where I was at the time, right? So God called you into ministry and everyone just threw you right into a pastorate. Well, by going that direction, it created a hunger in me to know what I didn't know that I didn't know, right? And so I started searching out wise pastors, people who were ahead of me and were where I wanted to be. And I was just trying to learn ministry. And some of the folks I learned from, I never had an opportunity to go meet, but I would listen to their sermons, rewrite their sermons while they're preaching it and try to figure out how they studied or uh, go listen to them at a conference somewhere and just trying to learn. Well, as time progressed and then God allowed me to get my own education, I still practice that. I practice that with my staff. In fact, our staff at CPC is they're required to go off every year and learn from someone um, that's in the same field that's further beyond where they're at in experience or uh, however God's using them at that point. And I never want to lose that. I don't want to lose it for me. I'm 30 years in the ministry, and, and I'm still looking for mentors in my life. That's also given me a passion to want to funnel that back down. And uh, uh, I love spending time with pastors. I love to motivate and encourage them, um, try to share some insight to help them go further. There's a great quote from Sir Isaac Newton Uh, He was being applauded for some of his inventions. And Sir Isaac Newton said, if it seems as if I can see farther or reach higher than those who went before me, it's only because I stand on their shoulders. Uh, I'm benefiting from those who went in front of me, those I'm learning from. 
I want to be able to reach back and help do the same for someone else. Mm -hmm. Not that I have all the wisdom and knowledge, but it's a journey, right? And we're doing this together. But if I can help them maybe even not make some of the mistakes I made early on, hey, that's great. Uh, So a few years back, uh, myself and Carl Nichols, who pastors Relevant Church down in Locust Grove, Mm -hmm. Georgia, we did a couple of years where we partnered together and trained pastors. That was a great experience. Uh, Since then, I've become a uh, coach and an activator, uh, certified through intentional churches out of Las Vegas. And so one of the joys I have is partnering now in our General Baptist family and helping coach um, through our GB12 movement, helping coach some of our churches and our pastors. And I find a lot of fulfillment in that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've always always thought that I've as a, someone who's been in the classroom, you know, for much of my career too, that I learn more by teaching and coaching others than I ever mm-hmm. really do just about trying to learn it on my own. Even mm-hmm. I read a lot of books, but me having to teach it to someone, me, me and have, having to look at it through that other set of lenses, it does something to me too in the process, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, with my, with my staff, even I tell them as you're going out throughout your time with us on staff, one of the keys that I'm always going to watch for is I want to see if you're still teachable. Mm-hmm. Even when you have success in your area, you yourself need to be teachable. And so when you're mentoring, when you're uh, feeding into someone, whether it be an intern, uh, a student, or another pastor, we got to continue being able to learn from their experience and their perspective as well because it, it is a, a give and take. I can share my wisdom, but at the same time, if I'm open, the Holy Spirit's going to let me learn from their perspective yeah. too. Yep. Absolutely. I know you also have your own like leadership podcast too, right? The Pursuit. Yeah. Yeah. So, the Pursuit with Chris Vaught. With Chris Vaught. So, <laughs> you can find it on any of your podcast apps or subscriptions. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've listened to, to your podcast um, in really great conversations about leadership. And yeah, so. and it, it's it's still evolving, you know. Um, with the pandemic in 2020, uh, I had to get away from uh, some of the conversations just because of time, and, and trying to make sure that I was present for our congregation. So uh, we ended up kind of mixing it with sermon content as mm-hmm. well. Um, some of the sermons that we were preaching that we felt like those who were subscribing to the podcast, it would encourage or motivate or help them through this season. So we've used a lot of sermons, but then at the same time, we've had some really good interviews on there. Um, my One of my favorites is the interview I had with Ben Merrill. Yeah. I mean, ben Merrill's one of those mentors I have in my life that, mm-hmm. um, I mean, to me, he's a modern day Apostle Paul. Yeah. And I've learned so much from him. Yeah. You know, 90, I think, this year he'd be 95 years old, and uh, up until this past year, he was still driving himself over 20,000 miles a year, teaching pastors at local conferences, uh, yeah. uh, in regional conferences, and just amazing guy. So yeah, our podcast uh, is evolving, but hopefully uh, in the coming year, we're going to be able to you know, do a lot more toward leadership. Yeah, I listened to the one with you did with Ben Merrill about, uh, and you guys were talking about he, he was talking about uh, churches having a niche in their community. Right. I mean, it's, it's such profound stuff that it's really not that difficult, but it's something that, that you, whenever you see it, you go, oh, 
Yeah, that really does make a huge um, opportunity for a church in, in a community to really make an impact. You know, Dr. Adrian Rogers was teaching a group of young pastors uh, before he died, and I had an opportunity to actually, I was invited to come to the next session, and he died in between those two sessions. So I never got to physically be in the room with him, but I learned so much from watching him and listening to him. But in that process, they sent me then the first session recordings so that I could listen to it. Dr. Aiden Rogers uh, was t- actually he was talking about preaching, but it, it follows the same suit with a niche, right? Um, he said, um, in our preaching, we need to make the gospel so simple uh, that we're ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. And when we're ashamed of it, the people in the audience will say, oh, that was so profound. Mm-hmm. Ben's that way when it comes to a niche. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're thinking about church growth and impact in our communities, we, we can tend to make it so complicated and Ben will teach that you need to find that niche that actually helps your congregation, motivates them to simply get into the congregation, or, or excuse me, the community and make an impact. And what we may think, oh, that's just a little thing. It actually makes a profound impact. You know, for us at Connection Point, so uh, the niche that God opened up for us was community involvement specifically going through our local school system. We have one of the largest school systems in the state. And uh, we just reached out to them and said, hey, you know, we understand separation of church and state and all that jazz. We're not going to come preaching. We just want to serve. And one of the first things we've done, we did, and we still do it to this day, is we told um, the, uh, the parent organizations that have to run the concessions at the football games hey, we will staff all of your football games, all the concessions. We'll do it all. It takes about 30 volunteers because football is a big deal in Jackson, Missouri, yep. right? Yep, state <laughs> so, champions, right? State champions uh, in uh, uh, 2020. So, I mean, it's, it's a big deal. And you're talking anywhere from three to 5,000 people every Friday night packed into that stadium and so what we do is we run the concessions so the parents don't have to miss their kids' ball game. And all our, all our volunteers will wear their CPC gear. We're not preaching. We're not handing out tracks. We're just serving at the concessions, but we'll have our CPC gear on. Our church has grown by multiple families who have walked through our doors saying, I was so impressed that a church would just do the serving for free. Week after week after week, it wasn't a one-time deal. It's right. it's the consistency that they watched, and that we consistently are serving, and we're there, and our people are smiling and helpful. And they said, "We decided it was time for us to find a church, and yours is the church that we want to come to." So the kingdom grew. We had an opportunity now to share the gospel, and it all started with serving pizza, popcorn, nachos, and soft drinks. Mm-hmm. Right. And from that, now that has just morphed into other doors that opened up for us. But that's how it started. Yeah. It's just a niche. Yep. But it made a profound impact. Yeah, that's great. So, Chris, uh, what has it meant for you over the years to partner with General Baptist Ministries? Uh, you've been a part of General Baptist for a long time now. And so what has that relationship meant for you in your life and your ministry? You know, it's, it's absolutely uh foundational, I think, for where I am now and the pastor, the preacher that I am now, uh, simply because 
uh, as I stated earlier, I grew up in a very rural section of Kentucky without a lot of opportunities for connections. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't grow up a part of the General Baptist family. Um, I grew up in a non-associated, non-denominational, full gospel church. Um, God taught me wonderful things from that environment. The, the, the intimacy with the Lord, not being ashamed to be expressive with my worship, um, trusting and believing that God could do anything. I absolutely love the foundation that I received. But if there was a negative growing up in the time period when I did, when I came into ministry, if you were non-denominational, like now, today, in today's world, that's like a, a cool fad, right? Um, but when I was coming up through in the late 80s, early 90s, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. If you were non-associated, no one trusted you. And it was almost like uh, you had the scarlet letter written on your wardrobe, right? And you were kind of shunned a little bit. And so for my first seven years of pastoring, I started at 18, right? And I was—I felt like Moses on the backside of the desert. Mm. I wanted connections. I wanted fellowship. Mm. I wanted accountability. And it just wasn't there. Um, and I didn't feel welcome, to be honest, in a lo- with a lot of groups because everybody stuck to their tribes back in the day. Yeah. When I was 26 years of age, I got invited to, or actually I was about 25, I got invited to attend uh, the General Baptist Pastors Conference. At that time, it was held in Branson, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Uh, a General Baptist pastor who had come into the town, right? Jonathan Rice, was pastor at Lee's Chapel and there for one year. But in that one year, God turned it around for me. He reached out, and we were able to develop a friendship. He invited me to attend the pastor's conference with him, and I went there. And I'm, I don't know anyone other than Jonathan. I'm introverted. Um, You're introverted? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I was so introverted back in the day. Of course, I'm not now, but I was back then, <laughs> right? And uh, I remember sitting in that room looking at all these pastors, and I believe that year there was probably 150 or so pastors in the room, and, man, they're just singing, and they're fellowshipping, and they're having a good time, and they're going golfing. And I'm the lone guy who still feels like he has a scarlet letter, and I'm like, God, I want this type of connection. I want fellowship and community. You know, there's something to when Hebrews 10 says that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That's true for pastors, too. We need one another. And, mm-hmm. and I felt isolated because of our culture at the time. But then when uh, I, I was invited there, it was the first time I saw a group of guys who had a common belief system that supported one another, and they were living out a common mission. Mm. And it birthed something in me. And it spoke to a need that I had. And I remember praying, God, I need this. Now, at the time, I had no idea that within two years, I would be pastoring full-time in this movement. Um, I didn't know where God was going to lead me because I knew nothing of denominationalism. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow up under it. Within two years, though, through those connections, I got invited to be the pastor at Pleasant Union Church in Deer Lake, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And from that moment, that's when my GB world began, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, God allowed me to be a part of a spiritual family. 
and I've honored that. And that's been a great blessing in my life. Um, I've cherished the fact that I now have a brotherhood mm. to do ministry together with. Yeah. So for me, being a part of a, of a movement is key because of the relationship factor. Yeah. The support system that you have together. We're not supposed to do ministry alone. Yeah, that's a great. Yeah, I've I've had that same experience. Um, you know, I've been General Baptist all of my life, but uh, coming into ministry, getting to connect with other pastors that you know were in churches similar to mine, or we had belief systems the same, I wouldn't be who I am without some of those relationships that were built as a result of that time that I spent at Oakland City, uh, some of the relationships that I made there. Um, even today, some of the, my closest friendships, they're all guys that I've connected with, with among General Baptists over the years. Um, and I, it's, it is, it, it helps us to become who we are, right? We, we don't, but we're not individuals apart from each other. I am who I am because you're my friend. Right. And right. because I have other people that help support me and, and pour into my life in that way. You've been on the, been part of the restructure task force uh, over the last several years, and we've gotten to do some, some work on in that, that world uh, a little bit over the last few years. Um, how do you think that the structural changes that we're making give opportunity to fulfill mission together better in a better way? Well, with this new structure, uh, absolutely being able to reach back down and regionalize our churches in the local context uh, for us as a as a, from the national or international stand, being able to cast the vision, be able to put in place initiatives. But as we as we know, when you have big ideas and initiatives, how they get implemented on a regional level is different because every region's different culturally. Yeah. And what I like about the new structure is we've, we're now identifying the fact that from, from the main office, from the heart of the movement, we, get, we need to cast the vision, we need to motivate, we need to equip, we need to inspire, we need to create the initiatives. But now we're allowing the churches to get together in the local context and partner together, do what they need to do together to impact their local communities and within their culture stream. Yeah. Um, I, I really feel like this gives us a greater opportunity to do that. Also, it allows us to not just see ourselves as, uh, if I can say it this way, as an American movement of Christianity. Yeah. Because now we're, we're bringing our international brothers and sisters to the table, and, and they're getting to, an opportunity to also speak to what God wants to do through this movement together. Yeah. Um, so it's more inclusive of the entire body of Christ around the world because, let's just be honest, God didn't call us just to reach America, right? And we have great works going on yeah. all over the world. And now we can see this more as a global movement and yeah. not just individual silos, but one movement impacting together for the yeah. kingdom. Yeah, one of the things I've tried to emphasize in my time here is that we are we're 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 becoming one organization with one mission mm -hmm. instead of a collection of mm -hmm. ministries. Mm -hmm. We have 
a common purpose, a common vision, but also that we're able to 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 be a part of the whole. We're we're a, a movement of the whole instead of a movement of a location. Popper Bluff doesn't move anything mm-hmm. in that regard, right? It's it's the church together. We all are able to do that. So the emphasis on we do our our work uh, here in the ministries is to be for the church, mm-hmm. and that's also has to be regional, right? Because regional things have their own needs and their own uh, specific um, ways of going at the problems that they have in their areas. And I, we don't understand those in the same way that they do, and we don't have to. Right. Uh, we, we, sh- we can come alongside them, and uh, we, can, we can serve them by, by bringing ideas and by bringing opportunities for them to mm-hmm. expand their ministry mm-hmm. beyond themselves. But we need to, to pay attention to the way that the, the church is uh, diverse, Globally yes. and locally, even here in the United States, and it doesn't have to all look the same. It doesn't, and that—that's the beauty of what you're talking about, because it's one mission, right? It's—it's it's one effort, but it can look different based upon the culture and the region of the area. But the message is the same. Mm-hmm. The message is the same, though the method may be contextualized, and that's what I love about what we can do for the kingdom. And. Um, you know, recently I had a great opportunity to sit down with uh, David Brickner, who's the CEO for Jews for Jesus, and he and I were having a similar conversation. And he he actually, in our conversation, went all the way back to God's conversation with Abraham. Mm-hmm. This was I, I love this. This just fired me up because he's talking about Abraham and God's promise to Abraham. And when he called Abraham out of the land of Ur, and he started giving the Abrahamic covenant and the promise. If you look at that promise, that promise was not just for a future Jewish nation. Right. In the promise, in the book of Genesis, mm-hmm. all the way back, God made an inclusive promise for the whole world yep. through one Messiah. And, you know, uh, sadly, it's easy, whether it be through a denomination or just individual churches, to create silos. And because our contextualization is different over here, well, let's just all stay together over here and let the other side of the world do their thing, right? Or let the North do ministry the way they do and the West do it the way they do and the South the way they do it. When together, it's about one Messiah, one gospel, one effort to get the gospel around the entire world. And by bringing us all together under that one common call, then we can go contextualize it to our environment to get that same job done. And, and when you look at what God's done throughout the Old Testament, and he did that with the Jewish people, and he grafted in the Gentiles, and then you get to the New Testament, and you see Paul you know, going all the way up through the Roman Empire, and, uh, and eventually we know it all the way up through Europe with the gospel. And it was, it was contextualized a little different in each one of those cities. But the message was the same. The Savior was the same. The gospel was the same. And that's what we're trying to do today. And I, I think the structure now is going to allow us to continue what we've done, mm-hmm. but even at a more efficient rate. Yeah. Be more intentional about those the, that variety that we have and value it and uh, celebrate it and be able to also provide the resources mm-hmm. at that level that's necessary. Right. So. Okay, so whenever you look at the church today, 
Um, what do you think are like the biggest challenges that you see out there? Uh, there's lots of talking heads saying lots of stuff, but from your perspective in your ministry in Jackson, Missouri, and as you talk to church pastor, churches and pastors around the, the country and around the world, what do you think are their, our biggest challenges? And always on the other side of challenges are opportunities. So what do you see mm. there in terms of opportunities? Mm. Oh, that's, that's really good. Um, for me personally, when, when I look at the church um, as a whole, I think there's a huge call right now for authenticity. I think with, especially coming out of COVID, uh, I think as a church as a whole, we, we, there was a lot of damage done because the church lost its voice for Christ and started picking up a political voice or a cultural voice. And our, our, our responsibility is to take the gospel to the culture, not let the culture define our gospel. And so I, for me personally, what I'm seeing with young folks that I'm talking to or uh, the, the new families who are coming into the church and we have these conversations is they're looking for authenticity uh, with all of the cultural chaos in our world and things shifting and changing so quickly now. So many voices on social media uh, and influencers in various media streams the church has got to become a constant voice of authenticity and then add to that biblical integrity. Mm. Um, we don't all have to interpret the scriptures the same, but we do have to be authentic with our interpretation and it be, it be based on scripture to the best of our knowledge. And I think we part of being authentic and, and matching that with biblical integrity is we got to stop being afraid to say, yeah, I don't have a hundred percent clarity on the interpretation of that passage, but here's my conviction. And I get this conviction from proper study, proper contextualization of the passage, uh, instead of allowing our interpretations to divide the body up. The world outside the church does not understand all of the division we've created within the church. And now all the different voices addressing the cultural issues of our day. And, and, and we've, we're going in so many different directions. We have to be authentic. People are looking for authenticity and integrity. And it gives us a great opportunity, though. Mm -hmm. um, because if there's a negative, you know, I shared with you a moment ago that, um, you know, 30 years ago when I came into the ministry, if you weren't a part of a movement, you were stereotyped. And because of issues uh, with biblical integrity and authenticity in our culture, now we've almost created a culture where it's the cool thing not to be a part of any kind of associated group of believers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so we're all lone rangers out there. Well, that's not biblical either. So what I think we have right now is a, an opportunity for the church, if we'll take it. We have an opportunity to show the value of accountability and togetherness and working together, but be able to show it in, with biblical integrity and authenticity. We're able to redefine the value of joining together and partnering together for the gospel to do together what we can't do alone. Yeah. And what God never intended Christians to do alone. Yeah. So we have an opportunity to redefine ourselves now. Yeah. That's great. And do it with a pure, simplistic gospel. 
one of the things that I know you and I talked about, um, even as we've been, we're getting ready to start talking about the summit here in a minute, but um, one of the things that's been on our, on our hearts about looking in the culture right now um, and all of the deconversion mm-hmm. conversations and the, the, some of those people that you see those stories out there, uh, someone who was a Christian very publicly mm-hmm. you know, renounces their Christianity. Um, do you think that that lack of authenticity and integrity that the church has uh, shown is, it plays into this, I think. Absolutely. I think the deconstruction we're seeing of so many people are deconstructing their faith. It, it has really nothing to do with the true Jesus of the Bible or the true message of Christianity. A lot of the disillusionment that I see from people who are deconstructing is they got disillusioned with man, uh, with personal persuasions and interpretations or cultures that created got created within a religious movement. Yeah. And when you look at those, well, the, most of all those is because somewhere along the journey, they got away from biblical authenticity and integrity and, and started making the church or their faith something other than what it was intended to be. Yeah. We started complicating the gospel. Um, the gospel shouldn't be complicated. The, the gospel itself is deep enough, and, and this is another Adrian Rogers quote, but I have to, I have to share it, and I have to give credit. So he would say, um, the gospel's deep enough for a theologian to dive in and never reach bottom, and shallow enough that an infant could crawl into and never fear of drowning. Uh, God in his word is phenomenal. We don't need to add to it. We don't need to take away from it. We don't need to try to make it fit us. We fit it, right? We come into to the Word of God and the Gospel and the Holy Spirit. Allow Him to do the work. When we try to start controlling it or changing it or making it fit us, we disillusion a lot of people who are looking for an authentic Jesus and a true relationship with Christ because we, when we try to recreate the Gospel, we always leave behind pollution. Yeah. spiritual pollution. Mm-hmm. And when people are deconstructing, I think a lot of it is they're disillusioned with some false ideas of what Christianity is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I think there's a, there's a whole lot of what you see out there that is, um, it's not really Jesus that some of them are rejecting. It's the straw man mm-hmm. that's been created of what Jesus, uh, you know, is being described by a specific style of Christianity or yes. a specific teacher of Christianity uh, that may or may not be um, adequate mm-hmm. for expressing what is the truth of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a strange illustration, but um, I've held to this ever since I was in high school, I was a science geek, right? You know, I thought I was going to med school and that was my world and I loved the sciences. So um, I remember one of the most, uh, this is crazy, I know, but one of the most spiritual moments I had in high school was the day we studied photosynthesis. Okay. I mean, I'm sitting in class and I'm I'm about to have a Bapticostal fit in class in biology studying photosynthesis. Everybody else is bored out of their mind and I'm looking at this and I'm like, God, you are so awesome. Because, and I won't go into photosynthesis, but if you understand it, everything in creation feeds into something else in creation. 
life feeds upon itself. You know, from the sunlight to the plant, a chemical reaction takes place. Oxygen is released. We let out carbon dioxide. We have to have the oxygen to breathe. We release carbon dioxide, but the plant has to have the carbon dioxide to create this chemical reaction with the sunlight. Everything is used. And then I had this thought. Everything man tries to create, we always have a waste product. We always have pollution. Mm. We can't create anything without having something unusual and dirty and nasty and, and trash. But there's nothing in all God's creation that leaves behind trash or something unusual. Mm. And we, when we add to the gospel and we try to make Christ fit what we want him to look like and we present him that way to the culture— we always leave waste products behind. We always leave trash. We always leave a spiritual pollution. And this deconstruction in our country, in the hearts of many people, I think is because they got caught up. They got caught up in the ditch. Mm, yeah. So like in a recent uh, book that I was looking at by Will Mancini called, uh, the F- called Future Church, um, he talks in it about, uh, makes a distinction between disciple making and disciple faking. Mm, and I, I wonder if whenever I, I listen to some of this conversation about deconstruction, if um, you have more disciple faking that's being deconstructed than mm-hmm. disciples that are been, that have been made. Um, and so I, you listen to what some of these folks say and the way they describe God or the way that they describe Christianity. And I want to say, absolutely. I don't, I don't agree with that either. I, would deconstruct that too. Right. Right. But it's, um, there's something more to the gospel. There's something more to, you know, traditional Orthodox Christianity. I, I'm uh, a little bit of, you know, who I am as a general Baptist, our, our beliefs that I think fit much better with the questions that are being asked sometimes. Right. Right. You know, while you're talking, I'm thinking of the passage in Matthew chapter seven. When Jesus is referring to the final judgment, and um, he says, "There's going to be some who are going to stand before me that day and say, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we heal the sick in your name?" Yeah. And he's going to say back to them, "But I never knew you." Yeah. And you know, growing up, I had one perspective of that. Right. I was like, I was always led like, these are people who. They're all about themselves, and uh, you know it, it's a fake Christianity, and they're just, you know, almost like it's intentional. Mm-hmm. But what we're seeing now with um, the toxic Christian culture we created, and and this deconstruction coming off of this, and, and then use the title uh, out of that book by Will Mancini you just mentioned, uh, disciple faking. And think about the responsibility we have to be authentic yeah, and, and to have biblical integrity, not just for us, but yeah. for the ones that we are teaching and leading. Because right. now look at that Matthew 7 passage from a different perspective. There are going to be authentic people who grew up right. with poor biblical teaching and integrity. Right. They're going to stand before the Lord and they're going to say, Lord, we actually did all this for you. And the whole problem was, is they never were presented the true Jesus. Right. They didn't, their lives weren't built on what Jesus said to do and who he was. And so their house was built on sand, Mm -hmm. right? If you finish the rest of that text. Exactly. And that that great was its fall. 
it says in the text. What a great responsibility that should throw back onto all yes. of us in leadership. Yep. You know, and we've been talking about the restructure of this movement even and why it's important that we get back to that central gospel and biblical integrity and continue uh, getting the true Jesus out there yeah, and the message of the gospel out there. So the stakes are high. The stakes are high. All right, so we have uh, we have a vision to, this year to rethink the summit. We've been talking about that for a while. That we we think that the summit needs to be um, be reconsidered and and become a, a feature of our of our movement in a different kind of a way. Um, the the year the theme this year is all in all in and that theme in some ways reflects the vision that we have for for the summit you're, you're going to be the moderator for this year's summit so can you just kind of share a little bit about um what is what is this summit going to be about what is it that's going to make this that what's going to be the focus what's going to make this a different thing than what we've done in the past well you think about the restructuring we're in right and we want to get back to casting the momentum and the the vision of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then let it be contextualized in the local area. Well, the summit gives us our once a year huge opportunity as our GB family gather together to be able to cast that vision, to create the momentum that actually will fuel the churches to go back to their regions and start implementing the work of the kingdom in their local areas. And so for All In, that, that's what it is. We, we're coming together. We're asking staff. We're asking ministry leaders, volunteers, even just the families within our churches to come and gather. This is our moment. This is our one week a year that we can gather together, be inspired together. We're going to have opportunities for ministry tracks, for staff members, for ministry volunteers, we're even going to have a track for students who may sense the call of God on their life to give themselves to this gospel yeah. and raise up that next generation of leaders. We're also going to have opportunities for families to come. Bring your kids. I, I, we understand you're taking time off from work. This is vacation time. We want it to be worth your time to come. See that we are together a part of the work of the kingdom be inspired, be equipped, and go back into your local churches and work with the churches in your region to make Jesus known. Uh, this is our week to light the fire yeah. of the gospel inside the soul. Yeah, so we one of the things we we're doing with the summit is that this, the, as you say, the focus is about inspiration. It's about engaging with one another. It's that, you know, being able to connect with each other. We've, in years past, we've done training Mm -hmm. at the summit, we're kind of pulling back from training at the national summit event and uh, going to really focusing on those other aspects and bringing then training the, into the regional yes. uh, summit, re regional events that we'll be doing starting at the end of 2022. Um, so even those, uh, even those tracks we're talking about with those different staff are, are going to be about inspiration and engagement, right? Right. We're covering the big topics that need to be discussed, that are important, whether your church is in an urban setting, a rural setting, whether it's a large congregation, a medium-sized congregation, or a small congregation, whether you're a church plant or you're a church with a hundred-year history. doesn't matter. There are 
topics we need to discuss together. Yeah. And so instead of doing as many individualized workshops, we're doing super sessions where we'll cover just a few topics in larger room settings and then give people the opportunity to go to their church staffs, to their teams, to their local areas or regions, and then talk there how do you contextualize what the Bible says about this topic or how we need to address this issue that the churches are facing. Right. Um, also, so we're not trying to teach. Yeah, no, how, it's not about how, how to. to's. Right. We're starting conversations that you need to be able to go back home and have and know how to address it with biblical integrity. And for me, that's the biggest key. As we inspire and motivate our people for the gospel, is that then we address those key topics that they need to be able to address in their local area and how to do it with biblical integrity. So um, with this you know, re-examination of things, we're, we are, we're pushing for churches to send all their leaders, you know, if they've got multiple staff, to send all their staff to, to send people, um, you know, that uh, cuts across the whole gamut of, of people mm-hmm. that are involved in ministry in mm-hmm. local churches. So why should it, why do you think if, if a church um, over here that has a, you know, they've only got this much budget to, to spend mm-hmm. and they're going to have to make decisions, why should they spend some of their resources and, and leaders spend some of their time? Uh, why should they, why should they make the decision to send them here to the summit? Yeah. Churches are going, are going to want to invest in sending their staff, their, their ministry leaders, whether they're paid or volunteer, but also their, their families. They're, they're going to help the families be able to come to this summit. And here's the reasons why. They're sending them to an environment with like-minded brothers and sisters who, who together we're in agreement on getting the gospel to the whole world. And we're going to, they're going to be able to network together with others who have the similar heart and belief system, come together for partnership and networking, and then be able to have those discussions of how are we going to address these issues when we get home? And when they get back home and they start working on getting the gospel in their culture and their community, now they have relationships with pastors, church leaders, and families, and sister churches from all over our GB family that they can reach out to and develop those relationships. That's not just a once a year conversation they can have. We want them to start there at the summit, but then throughout the rest of the year, be able to invest in one another, continue that relationship, build accountability and strength and inspire. You know, when you look at the Hebrews 10, 25 passage, when he says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, he says, so that you can stir one another on to do good works, mm. right? Yeah. And at the summit, that's, that's part of our goal. If we can get families there and their children can see that they're a part of a greater movement than just their local church and build relationships with other kids and parents with other parents and ministry leaders and staff with other ministry leaders and other staff. And we're all on the same page as far as our mission and our go. And yet we can go back home and contextualize it. We encourage each other through these relationships throughout the year. We stir each other up to do the good work of the kingdom. Yeah. 
so that whenever you come up against uh, difficult um, difficult moments, because they come they come regularly mm-hmm. in ministry life, you aren't um, you are not out there on your own, right? You have others that you can lean on. Whenever you're dealing with a a question, something happens in your congregation, you're like, I never saw that coming. Right. Well, who can I who can I connect with? I can go to a conference on great topics, right? And be in a room, I can send my staff to a conference to deal with some issues that they need to learn to deal with. But they'll go there and they'll be in a room, perhaps with thousands of other attendees and not know another so in the room and come back home ready to work on it. But they don't have relationship to reach back to anyone else who is in that session to be able to gain inspiration or to work through a problem or an issue with. But when you send them to the summit and we have our GB family coming together, no matter where our context is of our church, we have that common relationship that we're in this spiritual family together. And if we can create a summit that addresses these topics that no matter where you're at, rural, urban, large, small, medium, you, you're going to have to address and deal with. Now you have relationships back with your spiritual family that you were at the summit with. Hopefully you've built the networks that will strengthen you and you can have those conversations when you get back home. You can call them up and say, hey, I'm, I'm dealing with this. I ran into this roadblock. Did you run into it? How did you address it? Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm, we're getting ready to have this conversation in our congregation. How did you guys address it in yours? Yep. Can we pray for each other? Would you pray for me this Sunday night when I address this? And see, you, you have the value then of that relationship. Yep. All right. So what, whenever you think about the summit this year, Chris, what are you, what are you most excited about that we're, that we're planning? There's lots of things that I'm excited about looking towards the summit in terms of opportunities that we're going to be putting, they're putting out there and putting together. Um, What's something that you're, what's the thing you're most excited about? Wow, I'm excited about a lot of things because we're going to have some pre-conference events this year that we've never done before where we're going to actually be out in the community on that Monday. There's going to be a lot of opportunities to connect uh, from various perspectives or interest. Uh, being able to be involved in the Bowling Green area as well as then uh, our summit structure as far as worship services, super sessions. I think for me, it's what I'm looking most forward to is seeing this fire get lit in a mass group of people that when they leave at the end of the week, they walk out going, I really do believe God is going to use this group of people to do something phenomenal for the kingdom of God. I I want to see that inspiration. I want to see that fire lit, that um, they leave ready uh, to tackle hell with a spit gun, (laughs) right? I I want them to leave motivated and encouraged, connected with brothers and sisters that they know they can reach out to for the rest of the year actually ready to go back home and do something. So I don't want a conference where people go home at the end of the conference and go, all right, I can check that off. I attended. Right. Now what? Right. I want them to go back having these discussions, their heart stirred. I'd rather them leave the summit without all the answers, but with a fire to address some items to get the gospel to their culture and their communities. That will light that that will ignite what they go do as a region, 
and as a local church. And then when we come back the next year, we celebrate what God did the past and we get reignited for the next leg of our journey together. Cause this really is a great adventure. Yeah. It should be that way. It's a journey. Yeah. It's not a destination. This is a journey. Well, Chris, thank you for uh, joining us on this uh, podcast of doing together and uh, appreciate you appreciate your church. Uh, appreciate uh, your friendship and uh, appreciate also your willingness to serve this year at the summit. So um, thank you for being with us today. I'm excited. Thank you for letting me be here with you. I'm excited about what God's going to do in the future. This is, this is, again, this is a great journey we're on. And I just can't wait to see what God's going to do. The Mission and Ministry Summit is the premier event for General Baptists. As stated in this year's theme, we want to be all in. That means we want you, your leaders, your students, your staff to come and be engaged and inspired. We want to encourage one another. We want to be challenged together for ministry. We want to develop leaders for the future, and we want to collaborate to extend the ministry of your church. For more information and to register for this summer summit taking place in Bowling Green, Kentucky on July 18th through the 20th, go to gbsummit.org. We want to be all in. That means we want you to be there. Once again, I want to thank my friend Chris Vaught for joining me on this episode of the podcast. Next week, the podcast will feature a conversation we recorded between myself, Mark Powell, Vice President for Global Missions, and Vince Daniel, Vice President for National Missions, on the nature, purpose, and our passion for missions. I hope that you will listen. Once again, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening and give us a rating so that others can find us. Thank you, and we will see you on the next episode of Doing Together.